0: which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices. We have spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these beliefs metaphysical kernels of thought because they are the start of much, much bigger ideas. We thought we would share some of these with you. So,
1: today's metaphysical kernel of thought is rituals. On the path... Celebration of ritual is a major focus when we practice together. Our rituals can range from the simple to the complex. In fact, they may be written to be complex and we may switch in the middle to something simpler. The best part of our ritual practice is that we get to create our own. We celebrate the sabbaths, cross quarter times, and aspects of various sorts, not to mention the occasional working for needed magic. By definition, A ritual is a ceremony, sometimes religious in nature, with actions performed in some sort of specific order. Our rituals feature an opening section, some type of working, and a closing section. The opening section prepares us for transition into the magical world. It may feature a cleansing of some sort, an opening statement, and creating sacred space. The working section takes place in magical space and is where transformational change begins. Finally, the closing section reorients us to the magical world and it is the place where change manifests that was started during the working. It features various grounding activities such as household libation and an actual closing activity or statement. Writing a ritual has gotten somewhat easier for us over the years. We have several openings and closings that we have worked with long enough so that they are comfortable and familiar. In other words, we are able to focus on the meaning behind what we are doing more than the actual words. More time is spent writing the working section because it changes from ritual to ritual, and we want to make sure that we are fulfilling the purpose of whatever we are doing. For us, ritual had very specific purposes in what each part was supposed to do. I mean, ritual in general can be for any kind of thing. Celebratory, your devotion, you're doing a devotion, you are oh, I don't know, all sorts of things. Divination, um, dancing under the full moon, it doesn't matter. The whole point was though, you moved from the mundane to the magical and back. Now, the opening portion of the ritual is that preparation for the working portion and it's kind of you're letting your brain know, your spirit know that we're about to shift from where we are in the everyday world, and we've done our self-blessing, we've circle cast, we've done whatever we do, we've done. It's a signal to your brain. Boom. Okay, so if you don't mind me sort of, you know,
0: as I learned this, parroting back to you what that means in my world, I I, I think what you're describing to me is when I'm taking that time to recognize, okay, I'm not going to be in a mundane mindset. I'm going to be in a magical mindset. And for me, as silly as this sounds, it's I call it the charcoal phase. Mm-hmm. And I call it that because I've gotten used to using charcoal for incense because I like that you can have a sequence of scents and not just one scent for the whole stick. So what I realized was after several years of doing this, when I light the charcoal, that five minutes that I'm waiting for the charcoal to get all the way ready to put incense on, and all I'm smelling is charcoal, that is already, I I can notice that my stride changes, and my breathing changes, and my focus changes. So that for me is sort of helping trigger that transition that you called from from the mundane or that mindset into the magical. So yeah, for me that would be my charcoal phase.
1: Yeah, it's all that preparation stuff mm-hmm. that do. Sue and I had a self blessing that we would often do as part of going into ritual space. And the opening phrase is the way is prepared. And yep. I hear that that phrase and it's like, oh, ritual's going to happen. And my brain goes, uh-huh. and takes a deep breath, as it were. My whole body goes, Ugh! like, I'm. all that mundane crap is outside somewhere for the space and time, as it were. Sure. Um, you, sh- you shed those furs right off while you step into that space. Absolutely. Exactly. And then you do all that stuff, and now you're prepared, and you shift into what we call the working phase. That's where you're doing something. You're celebrating the Sabbath. You are casting a spell. You're meditating on a particular topic that you want to learn more about, whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. it starts, It's that's wholly what we call that between, that space between you're in the magical, completely immersed in the magical. And that's where any kind of, transformation starts or if you cast a spell and you want to manifest something it starts manifesting on the magical first sure absolutely
0: absolutely your your brain is already beginning the manifesting process and you've got some endorphins going on and you're starting to tap into some of that um primal energy Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and and for this, what you refer to as the working, I always refer to, or I have come to refer to as my resin phase, because after the charcoal is ready, I have almost always started with one form or another of a resin, and that is the the heady fullness of being in that space yes. you know i I can picture that when I have resin on my charcoal. I don't hear the traffic or the aircraft or anything outside that there's, there's now that bubble and my space is right here where I'm sort of listening to myself breathe and at the same time doing whatever working that I'm doing. So exactly. yeah, this is, this
1: is my resin phase. Exactly. So it's the same sort of thing now. And you've, you've enjoyed it. You've done what you need to do and you need to bring that with you From the magical to the mundane, you start the process, and you need to bring it into the mundane where it can finish, for want of a better word. If you've cast the spell, you've sent the energy out into the universe, as it were. Then it has to manifest, though, on on the mundane, right, in some form or fashion. Or if you've had a celebration, the celebration is winding down. It's like going to a party. You have to have the the everybody-goes-home kind of phase, you know, and you've got to clean up and come back down to Earth, as it were, and you have to return to the mundane. And even if you just cast sacred space, for want of a better word, in your entire working, if you sat there and meditated for 20 minutes and it was quiet... You are changed. You started to change within you in some way that you are going to carry with you back into the mundane. And so that's the whole point of the closing is, okay, I am done with the magical portion. Now I have to sit in the mundane and kind of figure out what happened, what change have I, have I started. The spell is doing its thing. I need to leave it alone. You I to to around that magical energy.
0: Somewhere. Where, where am I different now than I was when I came into this space? Exactly. Yep. Yes. Because, at least in, in speaking for myself, I need to feel the beginning of that moment, using the word moment in the physics term, the moment of that moment. Um, I need to feel that change. I need to be able to sense. Um, I think when you and I and Sue did ritual here, um, a few months ago, I, I spoke during Housel about I can already begin to feel some changes in my perspective. And that, to me, was just amazing magic.
1: Yeah. And see, that's one of the reasons for us part of closing is Housel, which we'll talk about in more detail, more of the specifics. But the idea is as part of the closing, we will often talk about what happened at least a little bit sure sure Yep, i can i
0: can remember sharing rituals with you and sue where yeah there was almost uh like a debrief of what was it good for you and what was it like for you and
1: And, and did it work for you because i mean there's no point in repeating the same ritual again if it wasn't at least somewhat successful what what could we do differently to make it better Right. let's be honest, those those working times are magical. And like you said, the endorphins get released and the stress goes away and it's quiet. And all of those wonderful reasons that we do ritual in the first place happen. And you want to make sure that you one of the better word, you get the most out of it. Right.
0: Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Ring out the last of that toothpaste because (laughs) you worked
1: hard to build this up. Absolutely, yeah, Exactly. And, and ritual can be work, especially the creation of, you know, yeah. because you, you wanted to fulfill a specific purpose. And that means picking the right incense and the right words and what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And, you know, what you're going to create and you want it to work. Sure. And part of that, like you said, that debrief period is figuring out, okay, this worked really well, and we should use this again when we want to do X over here in another area of our practice or our lives. Mm-hmm. Or we wanted it to do this and it didn't. And sometimes that's a, even a better learning experience than what really works, because when it really works, it just works. And sure. When it doesn't quite work, you want to figure out why. Yep, absolutely versus how, how can I own that? Because it is a skill. Absolutely. And regardless, if you have a resounding success or a crashing failure, you still have put the effort into it. Absolutely, and expended the energy for it.
0: Exactly. You so know, what? At, at this point during that debrief, I would just, to follow along with my charcoal-burning incense metaphor, um, this is when I would be putting either one of the blends, um, especially on the Sabbaths, I like to use the blends that you and Susie made. And at some point, at some point, we probably could, uh, publish the, the ingredients or whatever. If anybody's interested, maybe that's something for the, the Discord or whatever. Um, but at this point, I would either be putting a blend on or, As I approach the end of my rituals, I've gotten into the habit of putting a few shavings of Palo Santo wood. Uh So I get that sense, and that sort of is my okay, new Dave, with new effect from this working, how will we step forward? And that's kind of how I begin to trigger to come back to the
1: Monday mm mm-hmm. As a writer, for me, it's like the beginning of the sentence where you have like once upon a time, for example, if it's almost a fairy tale, kind of thing, once upon a time, and then you have all the action, which is the working, and then you have to have, for want of a better word, and they live happily ever after, but you have to put a period at the end of your sentence. If you are writing a grammatically correct sentence, it has to end with a period. And the closing Is a period to, okay, I'm not going to get stuck in the magical because it's real easy to do that because it feels great. (laughs) You know, you have to come back. Sure, you come back half astral and absolutely. Yeah, and you have to ground that excess energy. And that's one of the reasons people will share food and drink as part of a closing portion of a ritual because that's one of the most mundane things we do. Sure, breaking bread with a neighbor or a loved one. Yep, absolutely. Exactly, and we eat and drink because it nourishes our physical body so that we start focusing back on the physical mundane pieces, you know. And the thing is, too, we consistently tend to use very similar openings and closings and sequences because then we are focusing on the why of what we're doing as opposed to the what with the words, you know. and I, I,
0: I I'm just going to throw a quick pause on and have you say that again just because I I feel that it needs to be said again. It, it certainly resonated with me. Okay. But, uh, yeah.
1: We tend to use fairly consistent or similar openings and closings. Because instead of focus, we can focus on the why we're doing what we're doing as opposed to the what and the how. It's like we do a self blessing and we've done it so many times and use the same words that we don't have to look at the little cue card or the little ritual book <laughs> or the papers or whatever that you've created so that people know what we're doing because we know the words. And because we know the words and we know that here we're reaching, for instance, we'll bless ourselves by. Um, blowing the smoke of incense around ourselves and we will anoint ourselves with water mm-hmm. we have put salt and sage into as part of those words and that part becomes automatic in that we've done it so many times that we have the muscle memory and the words are memorized and we can focus on the why we are choosing to bless ourselves because we matter and we are the focus of the change we're going to create the ritual and it brings the focus in deeper and deeper every time we do it
0: I, I feel compelled to point out something simply because where I work, you know, it's a, it's a metaphysical store. So it's lots of, you know, everybody comes in and says, Hey, I'm brand new at this to which I always say, Hey, we're all brand new every single morning. What are we learning together today? But you're, you're right. If you're new into a pagan track practice or probably any practice, it would make sense. When you're new, you're seeing the whole. Thing as the movie, so there's an entrance act almost like a play and then there's a working act. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point of time in your maturity, those openings and closings are going to become I don't want to say rote, but they're going to become more familiar and more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, the reason I'm here is all about the working. And so instead of trying to divide my attention up into a pretty beginning and a working and a pretty household and a pretty ending, I can pretty much know there's going to be a beginning, there's going to be a household, there's going to be an ending. What are we really here to work. And I think that might be kind of a rite of passage when a person realizes, yeah, okay, I've been to a handful of circles and I'm getting used to the fact that there's always a kind of an opening. Okay, I get it. That's their opening. What kind of magic are we doing? Yeah, exactly. And so that's, that's. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I guess maybe I just recognized that passage in myself. Uh, but the way that you said that made an awful lot of sense.
1: Yeah, and, and I think I think it doesn't become I think it becomes internalized. Sure, absolutely. Yep. The chewing of the opening and closing, and, the, and I don't want to say routine, because it's never routine, because every time it's an experience in that sense. Right. It's the same, it's the same experience, but it's different, because if I did a ritual like last month, And I use that opening, and I come this month, and I do another ritual, and I use that same opening. I'm not the same person I was last month. No, absolutely not. my experience of the opening is going to be different. The words may be the same. The activity is going to be the same. But the why and the reason I need to do the blessing or what I get out of the blessing or what I focus on in particular as this part of the blessing is different every time. Sure, sure. The the pure intention of why you're there. Exactly. But what's different is what's that sameness allows me to do that, which is why I tell people, if you're writing rituals, write an opening and play with it until it makes sense to you and keep it for a while. And then go back and see, does it still work six months from now? And then tweak it rather than every month you have to write a different special opening or every week or however often you're doing ritual. It doesn't have to be a different opening every time, which is when, when I was practicing with a group a long time ago and they had different people leading ritual every few weeks and it was a different opening every time and I never got as much out of it the entire experience because I was so caught up with why are they doing this differently? Because that's how your brain works when you're getting I Sure, power. I can, I can see that. That would actually kind of
0: take some of your attention away from the working without it being designed to do so. Yeah.
1: Exactly. It, was, it wasn't was intentional, but that was just the way my brain worked. It's why sure. I want to know why they picked those words or what's different yeah. about the actions I have to do. And am I going to do it right? Especially when you're new. That's a big focus. Am I doing it right? In witchcraft, as long as you don't set yourself on fire, you don't, you know, or, or stab whatever. anyone in your circle. Exactly, it's pretty much a success.
0: And, guess and that's what? I tell people all day long. Yeah, you can't do magic wrong no. if the intention of your magic
1: is pure. Is is positive or even yep. yes, correct? Because I'm sorry, I think there is too much emphasis sometimes on magic. Always has to be positive. Sometimes. It has to be negative just because then you appreciate the positive more. And I don't look at it as positive and negative or white or black. Sometimes you have to be able to take care of shit. And that requires some heavy lifting in another direction. But that's a good discussion for another day.
0: When and, you that think is, and that is precisely why I chose the word pure. Yeah, exactly. Because I understand that, yes, yes There are times when I need to do magic that isn't comfortable, familiar, or fun, Mm -hmm. but it's
1: what needs to be done. Exactly. And so, yeah, as long as my intention is pure. Exactly. Yep. Yes, I am trying to solve a really big issue, period. Right. (laughs) You know, I have done some of those. And yes, it takes a toll on the practitioner. And I don't think in terms of the rule of three, which is another wicked thing i don't think what comes back to you it doesn't come i don't follow that because i don't think it comes back to bite you in the s3 hole you know three times bad and three times good and all of that i think anything that you do magically affects your sacred three of body mind and spirit and there are times when that can be in a helpful direction Depending on what you 're doing, and other times, if you have to do that heavy lifting it 's hard work, and it takes a toll on you body, mind, and spirit and I think that 's where maybe they got that whole idea of that everything comes back to you three times over, kind of thing, you know because they 're trying to make it sound good <laughs> okay magic is work i don 't care it is to me here again coming from from more of a kind
0: of a shamanist side where. I I don't see good and bad in that way. What I see is that every move that I make leaves ripples in the pond. Exactly. You know, so regardless of what I'm doing, it is going to impact the energies of those around me. Um, And in the last couple of years, I've come to understand so much more about myself in that, wow, sometimes the energy that I am projecting like a, like a lighthouse has a huge impact on the people around me. And I wasn't aware of that. So that's, that's another part of uh, oh, yeah. that. That's another, another
1: part of the journey. I think it is, you know, and like, it, it, it's, it's all a journey. I think that's the whole point of we created the path because we acknowledge that it's all a journey. Right. Right. You know, And as long as we're moving and sometimes there, that, that includes backtracking. Sure. You know, hey, finding a different direction because there's a bush now in the middle of the path that I wasn't expecting. You know, but you yep. keep if, moving. You keep moving and you're on a journey. And it's always different and it's always fun in that sense. I mean, you know, Sue and I had some spectacular failures over the years. You know, with some of our rituals, we won't discuss goldfish at Jeremy's house any time soon. But you know, but but we we learned that you can laugh at that stuff. The sure. world did not end because what we wanted to do didn't work out the way we wanted it to.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, we, we got up the next day and said, okay, we're going to try that in a different way next time.
0: Well, and I can I can remember from being in the innocent bystander seats with you and Sue. Oh, yeah. at, a cer- at a certain point in time, I was like, well, there can't be any bad ritual. She always brings cake. So I just thought I'd put that out there and maybe we talk a little bit about why you and Sue always had the cakes and the
1: the cakes and the fizzy. Yeah, exactly. Well, for me, because I am an inveterate baker and I like to bake, for me it was another signal to my brain earlier in the day, the ritual is going to happen you know I mean, yeah yeah no right it's like if you know you're going to do ritual next week you want the anticipation to build in there
0: well not not for nothing i i can remember there were times when elizabeth came over to visit sue and i can remember there were times when Elizabeth came over to visit Sue and brought food. And oh, yeah, there was, there was a priority there.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. If I brought food, there was probably going to be ritual and you would disappear upstairs and we'd have to make sure the beagle didn't get into the ritual food. That's why we started putting it up instead of on the altar in front oh. of us because he ate several items along the way yeah, he, <laughs> but
0: he was a beagle so he didn't have real clear boundaries on what sacred space was all about no
1: he did not and that was okay too you know but, but at least so why do you break bread like that why do we break bread like that I don't know I think it's because it's the sharing of afterwards for me it's the ultimate thank you for doing ritual with me this is my gift to the experience, as it were, because we always had, we have always saved some of the drink and some of the bread and combined them and given them to the energies that showed up.
0: Sure, sure. I've always noted that when you when you had closed out, there was always a piece of the cake and a piece of the wine or what have you, on the altar as an offering. And I I always saw that as being an offering. In fact, usually I ended up taking care of it in sacred space out in our yard.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you know, and I think I think that's the real reason. And like I said, it is also the ultimate grounding. Because one of the big things they tell you at the end of rituals, make sure you ground and center and make sure you're not still vibrating on whatever magical stuff you've absorbed. Sure. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know how many energy in your you've experienced when you haven't done that. But if you've done it a couple of times, you remember to friggin' yep. ground and center because it's, it's, you don't sleep and everything. Is
0: you know, but, so but that makes sense. That yeah, having something to eat, digestion is is going to help mm-hmm. sort of find some closure in some of that spiritual stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's it's the ultimate mundane activity. Sure, that's something we learn when we're babies is to eat and drink. It's one of the first active things we learn to do to take care of our physicality. So I'm picturing in
0: uh in a circle or in a more of a group setting than i was used to seeing with you and sue but i'm picturing you know one of your loaves of lemon bread and passing it around and breaking off a piece and handing the loaf to the next person so that everyone is sharing of that same symbolic loaf um i think in the in the book it talks about the uh uh, there's a religious name for Eucharist.
1: Yeah, it's 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 okay. I honestly feel like they come up to debt from pagan rituals because there's always been food and drinking pagan rituals, and Eucharist is literally supposedly the body and blood of the Christian Christ. Sure, sure, and it is symbolic. In that you are partaking of the God at that point, and that's
0: well. And and I agree with you wholeheartedly that yeah, there's there's so many different traditions that have had that for so much longer. But yeah, but uh, it's a good example.
1: You yeah, know, absolutely. When you think about it, it is sacred food and drink, and as part of ritual, it is a sacred acknowledgement. If you think about it, food and drink are gifts from the gods and the goddesses. Sure you know without them we would not have
0: well and in an awful lot of cultures i it's it's kind of a shame in our culture but i don't want to get political But in a lot of cultures, when you go to a family's home and share a meal with them, there's a prayer involved. And, yes, absolutely, you are in the sanctity of their home and their circle and sharing their food. And that's a sacred gift that goes all the way back to when we lived in caves.
1: Of course it does. Or probably that's one of the reasons we started living in caves is because we could share. And there was enough for everybody.
0: <laughs> so play we'll, out of the wind for the fire.
1: Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll leave that one alone. But I mean, just think about the whole purpose of ritual as a good way to close. You have an opening where you, like I said, you start out in the mundane and you shift to the magical. And then the working is where you're enjoying the hack out of the magical, doing whatever it is you I'm want to dancing do. Dancing in the moonlight. Exactly. You know, and I'm sure there's some people who dance naked in the moonlight, but we don't We don't live in a climate that encourages naked dancing in January. You know, <laughs> not if you want to retain all your body parts. And then you can't, As much as we would love to stay in the magical, because I think that's one of the best parts about being a witch is we can walk into the magical. And recognize it for what it is, and use it and enjoy it, and the whole tingles and the whole bit.
0: That's right. one of the beautiful things about where I work is I'm able to step in and out of moments of that all day long. Oh, yeah, people. exactly. But you still but have it's,
1: to, be, it's a neat form of sharing. Oh, sure it is, but you still have to step back out because you live in the mundane. And quite frankly, I wouldn't want you riding home in a magical state on your bicycle.
0: Because right. Well, no, that, that ride home on my bike is a big part of my transition from Work Dave to Home Dave. So absolutely. I'm going from the metaphysical to the art, sort of, yeah. because I do live in a very art-centric house.
1: Yes, but you know what I'm saying, though. Sure. You need You need to... Focus again exclusively, not exclusively because you're still changed, but you need to focus on the mundane again because we live and work in the mundane just by being human. Yep. And if we don't, then we are not going to survive. In all honesty, if we, if we get to, as you said, half astral, half <laughs> astral yep. if you're out there all the time, you're not going to remember to eat and you're not going to sleep well and you're not going to take care of your body and you probably will not, unless you work in a metaphysical store, keep your job very long sure, sure, have sure, a place yep. to live in all of those other things. So that's the whole purpose of the different pieces of a ritual is that transition in and that transition back out. So I think that's a good place to stop that one and move on to other things. Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witchstone Spotlight, we'll
0: be looking at the stone for Samhain. Concrete stones focus on a specific physical energy rather than on a concept, and the last four concrete stones link the four cross-quarter times together, which are used in the practice of the craft on the path. We work with them as a seasonal time or period of our year that runs from cross-quarter day through a sabbat to the following cross-quarter day, and this period of time is associated with a stronger awareness of one of the four physical elements. The fourth cross-quarter time is Samhain, beginning in early November, and this Witchstone Oracle card displays a pictograph of a black cauldron surrounded by a gray border. The border being the same color all the way around tells us that this is a concrete stone. The border being gray tells us that this card represents one of the cross-quarter times. During the times of Samhain, the element of water is most prominent. The dark energy is pushing us towards introspection and towards the true time of inward reflection. Sawan's magical associations include divinations and psychic development, remembrances and connecting with spirits such as the old gods or ancestors, spiritual harvests and interchange, and preparation again for introspection. Sawan's magical associations focus on the element of water. Sawan is associated with the direction of West. In our season cycle, we are in autumn. In the life cycle, this is the season of death. In the moon cycle, we associate Samhain with the waning moon phase. And in the day cycle, we see this as the time of dusk or twilight. The scene energy for the Samhain stone in a reading is time of reflection, letting go, and inner interconnections time of reflection gives us a chance to sit back and search inside to determine how we got to where we are on our spiritual path letting go may ask us to give up things that no longer serve us or something that we have held on to too long and might be interfering with our ability to move forward Inner and interconnections are those connections that link us to different parts of ourselves and to the universe. They ask us to give ourselves the time to figure out how they relate to each other and work together to enhance our growth and our practices. The unseen energy for the Saw and Stone in a reading is time of reflection, loss of control, and hidden connections time of reflection energy is the underpinning of the dark half of the year itself and being aware that it is always available allowing us to access it when we need it may be a necessary skill for us to develop loss of control can create feelings of fear or that something is off but can also mean that we don't have to feel that we have to be in charge of the universe and that can create intense feelings of freedom and relief And hidden connections may mean that we need to look for connections we are not aware that we have or learn about new ways the ones we know about can relate to each other. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane.
1: I have been watching a thunderstorm move in over my house, sheltered on my front porch, and enjoying the surge of energy that comes with an approaching storm. While the energy of storms is wonderful to experience, being caught out in one while trying to work magic not only makes for one very wet witch, but not to mention having to avoid being struck by lightning could be an issue. So I stuck an empty wide mouth jar out to catch storm water for use in future magical workings. Many witches want to be able to use weather energy in their magic, and this is a great and safe way to gather a little bit of it for me to use. Many witches also charge water with the energy of a full moon or under the sun as well. You could also gather up all kinds of water with your accompanying energies for use to enhance or power a particular magical working. These could include regular old rainwater, morning dew, water from a nearby river or lake or even the ocean, or a well if there is one available. All these different energetic waters have various magical associations, i.e. correspondences for spell work, if you think about it. Try Googling some and go out and gather your own waters if you want. Here are two tricks or suggestions, small though they may be, to help you. One, I tend to reuse glass jars I have recycled and it is important to make sure they are well cleaned before you use them with water collectors. You don't want your charged waters to have a pickle smell after all. And second, make sure you label what type of water you have collected. Just as with herbs, it is important to know what you have so that you can use it for what you want to accomplish and not mix things up. You don't want to use moon water, for example, when you want storm water. So that's it. Collecting water is simple. All you need is a jar and a label and actually water. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two young crones.
0: You can also find us on social media such as Facebook and Twitter.
1: Until then, Until that, remember. remember: we are witches who work with energies to effect a change.
0: We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine.
1: We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles.
0: We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers
1: of knowledge.
0: We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. I do no. be